welcome along. It is uh, unmistakably the gardening programme for the autumn season. Porrick, sure good is. morning Deirdre, to you. good morning. You're it's very great to welcome be back. back. Ah, yes, I know, well, I know you were back on with Tommy during the week, but uh, welcome back as far as the Saturday morning crew yeah, are concerned. Great. And I love this time of year, autumn. It's funny, travelling up this morning, um, uh, an articulated truck passed me with a whole with the brown bales of straw and I said well that's a sure sign of autumn well, when we yeah, see the straw yeah. coming west from the east coast that's <laughs> true and I hadn't really thought about that but now that you mentioned it I've been on the road myself a little bit during the week and I did come across some of those big round yeah, roundy yeah, bales yeah sure sign of yeah, autumn but actually this morning as well and I said this at the start of uh, the programme at seven when I was coming uh, from east to west shall we say um, it is uh, uh, Keats really came to mind because it was very much a morning of mist and mellow fruitfulness you know yeah. lovely blanket of kind of that ethereal almost fog uh, covering the landscape and really cool temperatures cool temperature a little, bit, a little bit darker yeah, than you yeah, know it yeah, has yeah. been but yeah so I suppose autumn has arrived autumn is beginning mm. to sneak in and mm. with that shorter day temperature and the cooler temperatures uh, plants themselves are reacting to it so we can see even some of the early autumn colour some of the Virginia creepers are beginning to colour up really nicely now um, some of the maples I was looking at a lovely uh, maple called autumn blaze which is just beginning to turn now and the colours have gone from the lovely rich green in summer changing now to to the the early colours of of autumn so you know as as the temperatures start to get cooler and as the days start to get shorter it's certainly we're going to see lots of colour coming into the garden plants like liquid amber which are absolutely beautiful in October um, shumac which gives us fantastic colour the Virginia creeper that I mentioned Mm -hmm. Um, and those colours are actually there underneath the plants the chlorophyll masks them during the summer the green chlorophyll so once the chlorophyll the green pigment starts to break down as we get that shorter day those colours are released East. And well, the that's, colder, that's what happens. That's, that's the way it works, yeah. And the colder the temperatures we get as we go into autumn, the more red and purple hues come come forward. So um, so those colours are actually there. We they're, they're not, we cannot see them because that chlorophyll, that top layer is it, actually it, So that's hiding. kind of the dominant one as that's such. That's the dominant colour and as we come into autumn they start to break down, the sugar start to return to the roots of the plants and they reveal those beautiful autumn colours. Um, so, so this is the time of year I suppose for autumn colour but autumn is also a time for planting. It's a time of renewal, so it's very much a season for sowing seed for next year, for sowing bulbs at this time of year, for taking cuttings for plants for next year. Um, you know, so we often think of the daffodils and the snowdrops in, in January and February when we come back to the spring programme, mm-hmm. but they are planted at this time of year. And this summer, Deirdre, has been a particular... I can't remember a summer that with as much fruit around. I think we mentioned it back in springtime, that things like whitethorn and blackthorn flowered Hugely, yeah, buckets of flowers, and the the then coming into the pears and the plums, and then the apple trees were absolutely covered in blossom this year, and we predicted a really good. It's a bumper harvest, really. It sure did, because the bees got out there. May, April, May was really great weather flower wise but also it was relatively calm weather so the bees and the pollinators got out to pollinate all the, the flowers and hence we've got a tremendous amount of fruiting plants even common things like the, the white thorn is covered in berries roans the birds in my garden have ate the roans already so okay. they, they were colouring beginning to colour in late June, July um, they coloured up bef- before the end of July and the birds came and, and had a feast already on them so we're seeing lots of fruit and listeners will see in their gardens a huge amount of crops on apple trees on pear trees on plum trees and now is the time of year to harvest those don't leave them for the wasps okay and, the they, wasps and, they, are, and they are around wasps well, well, well wasps it, it, you know the wasp feeds on it, it is the gardener's friend I always people 
tend to remind people of that because the wasp feeds on the green aphids and black fly and white fly during the summer months. That's where it gets its protein, brings it back to the nest. So it doesn't bother you during the summer times because they're very busy feeding the young, developing grubs and young this year's crop of wasps, mm-hmm. as it were. But now that the, the bugs are beginning to die away, green fly isn't as prevalent. The wasps have nothing to feed on. And the young have left the nest at this stage. So wasps are twiddling their thumbs. So they're freer to flitter around Absolutely. and feed on the sugar, uh, sugary, sugary looking, things like apples and pears exactly. and all that. Exactly, and they're coming into your house at this time of year. So you're going to see lots of the wasps beginning to, particularly fruiting plants, particularly apples, red apples, any softer fruits, wasps just love those and they'll, they'll just demolish them. And birds will pick on them as well. And between the two, they can destroy an apple tree or a crop. So my advice is to take, go out, harvest the apples now, even though they might be still fairly firm on the tree, you're, you're, you know, particularly the red variety, start to harvest those now. They will ripen indoors. So if you bring them indoors, wipe them down, clean them off, put them on some tissue paper or newspaper in layers on boxes in a cool garage or attic or um, cellar, stairs or anywhere, like that, anywhere yeah. that's cold and dark, they'll store for several weeks and several months now. And if you want to ripen them a little bit faster, put a ripening banana close to the apples and it'll help to ripen them as well. So a great year for fruiting in particular. Um, Tomato plants are absolutely covered in fruit. Again, they're giving fantastic crops since the middle of July. They will still continue to bear the fruit and ripen fruit right up to the middle and up to the end of September. Mm -hmm. So if you've got tomatoes in your tunnels and greenhouse, continue to water, continue to feed them and continue to pick the the tomatoes as they begin to ripen. And any green fruit that's left then in September, October, you can ripen those in exactly the same way as the apples with the the old banana. So, you know, lots of things, I suppose, finishing off the, the, the fruiting season mm. and then preparing for planting. So I brought you in some, some tulips, which yes, I think... I, I, know we, we, I know yesterday we you had advertised on Facebook that we were talking about bulbs a little bit. So. Yeah. Well, this is the time of year for, for planting bulbs in general. And, you know, we, we often get the calls in February and March, you know, can I plant daffodils? Or I bought a bag of daffodils and they're still sitting in the... Can I still plant them? But this is really the time of year because the soil conditions are still quite warm. They're very moist. We've had a wet August, so it's very good planting weather. And things like tulips in particular, they can be planted now. If you haven't got space in the garden, you can simply pot them up in a pot, you know, an old terracotta pot or a plastic pot, an old bucket that there's a couple of drainage mm. holes. And I think it's a great way to get children involved in gardening because when you buy a tulip bulb or a daffodil bulb, you're actually buying a three or four year old plant. So it's been grown in the nurseries for several years. It's foolproof. If you plant it now in the garden, unless you do something dramatic, drastically to the plant, it's going to grow. Even if you plant it upside down, the plant will grow. grow. So tulips are lovely and they come in a whole range of different colours, some that are scented, some that have two different shades of colour, some that have got striped foliage like Red Riding Hood, which is a lovely variety, some that are perfect for pots and containers and window boxes, others that can be planted out into the garden soil as a cut flower. So there's a lovely range called the Darwin Range, which are beautiful two foot long stems. They're lovely for churches in early springtime or if you've got a wedding, say in April, of next it's year, true. you could plant them now yeah. and use them as cut flowers in the garden. And they come in a, in a whole myriad of colours. Um, but now is the time to plant them. 
put them into pots and containers. You can leave them out of doors. The frost won't affect them. The rain won't affect them over the winter. If anything, they need that. They need that cold period. And then when they come forward in springtime, you can decide where you want to plant them okay. because you've already got, got the pot on the pots. And they're relatively cheap to buy. There's a packet. So what have we got there? Well, I, I just brought two. I brought, I mean, there's so many mm. I could have brought in. But there's one called Dream Touch, which I thought was very nice. It's, it's a two-toned, very, very large, blousy okay. flower. It's a lovely yes. purple colour, isn't it? With a white... With a white, t- white, white rid- edging, yeah, almost. Ed- yeah, edging. It's yeah. a really full variety, very open. It's almost rose-like. It uh, is like a rose. Yeah, yeah. That, that particular tulip. Now that, yeah, stunning altogether. And, and that's going to give great colour in April. It's an 18-inch long stem, so again, nice for cutting or just to plant in a board or a bed just for a little bit of colour. So if you have things like winter flowering heathers mm. and you wanted to add a bit of colour for the springtime, tulips or dwarf daffodils would be ideal. The other one I brought in is a mixed bag. So this has scented hyacinths. It's got um, the beautiful white chinodoxia and it's got red tulips as well. And this is ideal for pots. So there's 20 bulbs oh, in that bag. Oh, right. So it's, it's, it's a... You can it's, layer it. It's a, whole, it's a whole collection together. It is. A, a mixture. The, some that beautiful. flower at different times of the year. Some that are scented. Different colours, the blues, the reds, the whites. Um, and so you've got hyacinths, you've got tulips. You've got a mm. mixture of different bulbs. And things like crocuses, snowdrops, bluebells, they all should be planted at this time of year. Plant them in clusters of threes, fives, sevens, those sort of numbers. So cluster them together. And generally the tip is when you're planting bulbs, bury them to twice their their, their size. So if you've got a two-inch bulb, you, 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 you put it down four inches into the ground. Okay. If it's something like a snowdrop, which is only half an inch, you put it down an inch into the garden. So as long as the depth is right, they're foolproof, they're easy to, to, to grow. And again, if you want, you can put them into pots and containers and uh, plant them plant out them then in springtime. The other key thing at the moment is lawn care. Right. So for listeners that want to sow a new lawn, if they've got a new house or they're extending an area and they're, or a bit of the lawn that has got damaged <laughs> or whatever, this is the time of year in September for the re-sowing or seeding of oh. new lawns or existing lawns. Because the temperatures, you mentioned 18 to 20 degrees. Yes, indeed. Lawn seed will germinate at 10 degrees and above. So the temperatures are ideal. If you get your lawn in now during the month of September, it'll germinate between now and mid-autumn and you'll get a fantastic... You might even get the first cut before Christmas time. But certainly for next year, you'll have a fantastic lawn. So it's a very good time for seeding lawns, new lawns or repairing existing lawns. lawns. And the other key thing with lawns is continue to mow them. Continue to take the grass clippings off them. You can start to raise the blades of the mower now, okay. slightly. Yep. Um, and you continue to cut the lawns, certainly up until about the middle of October. The other key thing is to control the moss. And uh, August has been our wet. O- our old friend. Well, we, we're always inundated in the springtime with what to do with moss. So my advice is always to treat it in the autumn. This is the time of year. I have a fact sheet up on my Facebook page, if people on, on my Twitter page, if people want to log on there, there's a free fact sheet um, explaining what to do for, in, for your lawn for the autumn to prepare it for winter and prevent moss being a problem. So moss is prevalent at the moment. You'll see it in your driveways. You'll see it in the lawns beginning to creep in. So treat it now is my advice. So put on an application of a zero over this weekend, a day like today would be ideal. That'll just nip the moss in the bud. It'll kill it overnight. And then follow up with a granulated autumn feed. So something like the Osmo feed or one of the proprietary autumn. Make sure it's an autumn fertiliser. Uh-huh. Put that on. It'll help to green up the grass without forcing it and help to knit in the grass before winter. So continue to mow. Continue to take the clippings off. Compost those. But also take control of moss in particular. And weeds. You can also treat the weeds at this time of year. They're very susceptible to weed killers. Uh, coming into autumn because they're naturally dying back 
and again with lawns we had a call in on Tuesday about clover mm. but you'll also see other weeds like daisies Yeah and I, I, I think I saw a docker too coming up in my own now small ones but uh, This is the time yeah. to treat them so put on something like dicoflower or green force one of the proprietary lawn treatments so I would put on the zero first allow the moss to die put on the autumn feed get the grass growing get the weeds nice and soft mm-hmm. and then maybe a week or 10 days from now put on a proprietary lawn weed killer and that'll just clean the lawn for the winter and even in really good condition for next season Okay, so you're not you're not starting on the back foot then exactly. when, when the spring arrives Exactly, exactly So they're, they're kind of some of the key things um, Okay, well quite a lot there really and yeah. I know some of what you've touched probably we'll go into in more depth when we come to questions which are coming in at the moment um, So if you do have a question for Porrick 87 is our text with thanks to Carb Oil and uh, you can call us as well of course 0818 and 55 entries are taking calls for us Just to mention. Yes, sorry, I beg your pardon. Sunday week. I know we have the match on, haven't we? I was going to say, what might be happening on Sunday week? I'm actually in the, if people are interested in in bees or in honey, there's a a special honey show on on the 10th of September in the Phoenix Park in Dublin. Kicks off around one o'clock from memory. I'm giving a talk on plants for, to attract, to get your garden buzzing, I think Mm -hmm. is the actual topic. Okay, right. Um, So it's a, it's a, what I'm chatting about is garden plants that if you plant in your garden you're going to encourage the honeybee and pollinators into the garden but it's it's an opportunity for people to see so it's a, spe- a special honey show that's been put on by the OPW it's in the Victorian Wall Garden which is in the Phoenix Park right at the visitor centre uh, it's free to go in and um, walk around and there's a beautiful garden there I often talk about Michael D's garden it's a fantastic garden with lots of pollinating plants but it's an opportunity for people to see a whole myriad of different varieties of honey so we'll have heather honey and ivy honey and all sorts of honey from all over the country it will be brought to have a, spe- a special honey show so amateur beekeepers will be bringing their honey to be judged and obviously oh the, so it's like a, it's like it's, an agricultural show for honey it's like that exactly and there's various speakers then um, going to talk about keeping bees and how to, to manage bees and I'm speaking um, around quarter to one next um, Sunday uh, before the match. No, no, the match is the following weekend. Oh, is it the so, following? Yeah, sorry, fine, sorry, I'm mixing fine, it up. I'm, so, uh, so the, that's the 10th of September in the Phoenix Park. It's a special honey show and well worth a well worth a visit. visit. Okay. Um, and it's free in. So anybody interested in beekeeping or in learning about plants for bees come along on the 10th of September. And what have honey yields been like this year? They've been excellent. Yeah. excellent. I've, I've actually brought some honey in to Tommy on Tuesday. Um, heather honey and um, this year's spring and summer flowering honey. Uh, but yields have been very, very good. I mean, it's been an exceptional year for flowering. It's been a really good year for bees in general. So mm. I think the beekeepers are very happy. Good, because I know there, there there has been concerns in recent years in terms of numbers. Bee and population is yeah, still declining yeah, yeah. and, and um, you know, mo- it's great to see more and more people getting into bees and keeping of bees because the, our nas- national population has been decimated between, yeah. um, you know, loss of habitation yeah. and, yeah, and pesticides and so on. So, But anybody interested in bees, that's a really good... And if you Google, put into Google, yeah. it's the so 10th of September, September in the Phoenix Park, so run tomorrow, by the OPW. Tomorrow week. Tomorrow week, um, well worth a visit. And um, it's a free 
it's a free event. Excellent. Okay, well, the best of luck with that. We'll probably remind people of that anyway again next week on the programme. Now, nasturtiums, first of all, which are just kind of coming into their own at the moment or how well oh, yeah. over the last They'll couple of weeks. They've been flowering great, yeah, yeah. the last number of months, yeah. Um, well, maybe uh, there's ones that are coming into my garden now. I've only noticed them lately, so sorry. That's what, That was my frame of reference. Um, anyway, I've grown nasturtiums this year for the first time. They're absolutely gorgeous, flowing down over my dry stone wall. How do I look after the seeds for next year? Okay, yeah, and they're going to continue to flower right through September. They'll really stay in flower until we get the hard frost probably in the middle of October. Mm. So you're going to have it at least another six to eight weeks. Now, during that period, there will be the flowers will be blooming and forming seed and you can collect the seed right through the middle of September into October. I mean, you simply just gather it in a brown paper bag, an envelope, anything at all, store it in a dry spot over the, the winter period and re-sow the seed then in February, March indoors um, and plant the plants out then from about the middle of April, the end of April on, onwards. Now, having said all of that, nasturtiums will self-seed themselves. So you'll find lots of the seed naturally falling, burying themselves in the soil and they'll germinate next spring. The difference, what you mentioned that your plants are flowering kind of in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's because possibly some of the ones that you had were self-sown. They, they, they oh, were, okay. Well, actually, my neighbours and they kind of come in. Not that, well, there that, you go. And it works fine because they just had a lovely bit of colour into yeah. my hedge. So we're, it's a, but if you I, want I'm f- happy for them to be coming in. If you want a little bit of colour earlier in the spring, yeah. then sow them or in the summer, sow, sow the seed early. indoors in oh. March, February, March. Keep them indoors for a couple of weeks so you'll have them at least a month ahead of the, the ones that are going to germinate out of doors. So you've got some varieties that will flower then at the end of June, July, and then the self-sown varieties or the neighbours' sown varieties will come into flower then August, September, October, October. period. Okay. So you can harvest the seed, and that applies to many, many garden plants. Uh, they'll start producing their seed now. Things like lupins and many of the perennial plants, the, the little seed are beginning to form on them. And during September, you can collect that seed. You'll often see, you know, you can need tie a, a plastic bag around the, the stem, or mm-hmm. you can just gather the seed, put into a brown paper bag or a brown envelope and store it in a dry, you know, again, you know, a windowsill or um, hot press perfect location for seeds. So keep them dry um, and and warm for the winter and then sow them next spring again. Okay. Now, um... And nasturtiums come in so many different colours. I mean, there are yeah, the orange I, varieties, red varieties, white varieties, white, exactly, yeah, yeah, cream. I, I, I actually came across another for sowing for next year, but um, some really... There's a, a, one was called Milkmaid, which was a whitish one. Oh, lovely, yeah. Um, or a whitey, creamy one. And yeah. then, I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of nearly ready black. Okay. It looks really... Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking a black a and white... Yeah, black and white exactly. theme. Yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> See how it the, works. And they're so so easy to <laughs> All grow. in my head at the moment, folks. <laughs> and the seed is large, yeah. so it's very visible. So again, great for kids, children to get involved in sowing the right, seed. Right, so it's not that it's too fiddly or anything no, like that. No, they're the size of a pea, so they're really okay. easy to sow and easy to grow. And some varieties have lovely variegated foliage, mm. like um, Alaska, which has variegated leaves and it's got lovely cut flowers as well. And dwarf varieties that are suitable for window boxes and hang baths. So it's a really versatile plant and so easy to grow. And where the listener has it on a dry stone wall, it's perfect for slopes and banks to cover them up. Okay, uh, yeah, and, and really just give a, a big splash of colour then yeah. as well along so with it. So it'll be next spring before you're sowing the seeds of those. Start them off in February, March indoors. Plant them out once the risk of frost has passed and you've got yourself some early easy colour. They're also a great plant. Here's a tip for vegetable growers. So people that like growing cabbage and broccoli and caterpillars can be a problem. If you grow nasturtiums in a part of the garden, maybe, you know, 50 metres or 30 metres away from the cabbage plants, Caterpillars prefer nasturtiums 
to oh. cabbage. So it's an organic method, method of getting the butter, white butterfly Sorry. to lay the eggs on, on the nasturtiums. On the nasturtiums. If you don't mind sacrificing your nasturtiums. nasturtiums or, exactly. Which most cabbage, people who are trying to grow cabbage don't. No, they don't mind. So, yeah. so growing nasturtiums in a patch in an area of the garden helps to bring the white butterfly somewhere, somewhere else, else and helps to protect your cabbages and your brassicas and so on. Um, so there's, they're multi... <laughs> Functional. Right, so we'll remind people yeah, of that back in the spring yeah. again. Yeah. Great tip. And it's an edible plant. And it's an. I was, and I was going to say on the other side of it, that it can really add a bit of vibrancy to a salad yeah. plate. And the yeah. flowers are edible. You can eat the eat the mm. fleshy flowers as well. Yeah. So there we go. There's nasturtiums wrapped up. Underestimated, <laughs> I think, the poor old nasturtiums. And so cheap. I mean, you buy a packet of seed for. Penny, uh, for, for a year, a year or, or two, two and there's anyway, loads yeah. of seeds yeah. in them. Okay, let's talk about laurel hedges for a second. Okay. Um, so we've got a couple of questions in on those and I'm going to combine these together. Um, so Carmel is asking about laurel hedge set from slips and how to protect it against the frost. And Mary is wondering in general about growing laurel hedge from slip. How and when do we go about that? Okay, so first of all, they're super easy to, to root from, from cuttings. And, and this is the time of year to take cuttings from many, many plants but specifically laurels. So if you've got laurels growing in your garden or your neighbour has them, what you're looking for is this year's growth, roughly about a foot long, pencil thickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically all you do is you, you cut them off, take, cut them off, say today, take 20 or 30 stems, uh, young stems, strip off all the leaves apart from a small leaf right at the very top of the cutting. Cut them at a node, and that's where the point where the leaf joins the stem. It's that bumpy part on the stem. So cut it just beneath the node. Dip it in some rooting powder. So you get a small tin of rooting powder in your local garden centre. That will do hundreds and hundreds of cuttings. Um, Simply dip it into the base, cover the base of the the wound of the um, cutting in the rooting powder. And then open up a trench in the garden. So simply in the veg garden or whatever, dig a trench about a foot deep, Mm -hmm. line it with sharp sand, so something gritty or perlite or vermiculite, put that into the bottom of the trench and simply put the laurel cuttings like soldiers side by side. They can be slightly touching. So in a very short or small area, you'll fit 100 laurel cuttings. cuttings. Have them all the same length, same size, ideally. Um, remember to dip, put them in the rooting powder and then pop them into the trench and just backfill the trench and walk away. Okay. Next spring, in March and April, go back to the area, dig them up, and 95% of them will have rooted. And then you transplant them out into a little nursery area or somewhere you want to grow them on for, for at least a year. And it's a good idea to take the tops off them at that stage to get them to thicken out. Push it. Leave them there for a year, and this next winter, dig them back up again, or next, you know, the following mm-hmm. spring, 12 months on, and plant them out into the area that you want them to grow. And they're perfectly frost-hardy out of doors. Remember that laurel was one of the few plants that came through the very severe winter. So the very first caller, Carmel, was it? Yes. Yeah. If she has rooted cuttings uh, of laurel, plant them out at this time of year. It's a really good time of year in September and October for planting hedges in general because roots will continue to grow right through the winter period even though there's no visible stem or new growth. The roots are continually growing all winter long, leaving the plant in a very strong position for new growth then in the spring. So my advice is wherever Carmel wants to plant the new hedge, spray that area off now. So again, a dry morning like this morning, spray it off with a little bit of wheat-free 360, about a metre wide. That'll take a week to work and then plant your laurel hedge into that area. And by using the Weed Free 360, it's eliminating any grass or weeds that are going to come anyway. So it's going to keep it a nice clean area, giving the laurel 
that extra okay. uh, opportunity to grow without any competition underneath that. Okay. But a great time to take cuttings in general, that can be hydrangeas, it can be fuchsias, it can be hypericums. Um, for shrub cuttings, take them smaller, roughly about four to six inches in length, slightly thinner than pencil thickness. So, you know, um, and then same procedure, strip off the leaves and flowers, a little bit of rooting powder. You can root many shrubs in small trays, mm. you know, something about maybe four inches deep, three to four inches deep. And again, a gritty mixture. That's the key. And if you are rooting uh, small numbers in, say, pots or containers, cover them with a polythene bag, something like a, the butcher's the butcher's white plastic bag, that type of material, just cover them over. Or the like, one you get from the dry cleaners. Well, there you go. And then, <laughs> I've exactly, found as great. Perfect, yes. Yeah, yeah. Something light like that, very light plastic, and that helps to hold the moisture in. So a really good time for taking cuttings of all plants in general. I give them a go. Geraniums, for example, they could be <laughs> propagated from cuttings at this time of year. So have a go. Young cuttings, strip off the leaves and flowers as much as possible, leave a small leaf at the top. The secret is the little bit of rooting powder and then a gritty mixture and cover with a polythene bag. Okay, can we, uh, and so from, from, from how to sow a hedge from slips to a cutting back a hedge now uh, for the winter, it's two and a half years old, Porrick, and it's four foot tall. Right, well, you could, and they don't say what hedge it is. Do they, they don't, know. Okay, but yeah. the light trimming back, I, I noticed um, I cut my own beach hedge there about two or three weeks mm. ago. Um, and uh, probably four weeks ago and uh, laurel hedging if you've got laurel in general you could tidy it up now no severe pruning but certainly just a light tidying back at this time of year is a good idea so yes you know in the next couple of weeks if you want just tidy back hedges in general trim them up tidy them back no severe pruning um, but yeah in general you can certainly tidy tidy up. Okay. Now, a couple of hydrangea questions as well. Um, now, we might have addressed one or two of these already in terms of talking about slipping, but I'm going to combine these two. Hydrangea, two years old in a pot, when do transplanted from uh, out of out of doors? Also, um, I have a hydrangea and flowers are withered, so do I cut them off or do I let it die back? And again, taking slips of my red hydrangea, is this the time of year and how do I go about it? Okay, so I, I probably covered the cuttings. Yeah. You do the so, hydrangeas yeah. are exactly the same yeah. as all others. Young cuttings is my advice, young yeah. of this year's growth. The lady that has the, the uh, hydrangea in the pot, that can be planted out now. It's two years old. It's a good, strong plant. So plant it out of doors. Do remember it's deciduous, so it is going to drop its leaves in October, November, and it'll be... Um, you know, really strong plant then for next year and give it space because mm. hydrangeas do take up up to four feet in diameter, four to five feet in diameter. So give it, plant it somewhere where it can, it can have plenty of room to grow and you can do that now, plant it out of doors. And uh, in terms of cutting, cutting. back the flowers, yeah. they are some of the varieties, the mophead varieties are beginning to go over now. The colours begin to fade in them. You leave hydrangeas, the pruning of hydrangeas alone until next spring. So next March, you cut them back. So leave the old withered flowers on the hydrangea over the winter period and prune them then in March. Okay. And we'll cover that on the programme. On the programme. In, in March. March. And <laughs> finally on the hydrangeas front, somebody says, I noticed white hydrangeas with cone-shaped flowers in my oh, local yeah. church. What types are these with the really big flowers? I noticed they don't stain and can yeah, I plant them now? They're absolutely beautiful at the moment. There's a, there's a couple of different varieties. There's one called Hydrangea Annabelle, which yeah. has massive big, they're more rounded than cone flowers they're like a dinner plate they are like a dinner plate I, they, ha I have them myself and they're they are beautiful, huge, beautiful but they're huge yeah and very easy to grow so that's one called annabelle and it'll continue to flower for several weeks now often right up till late october it's a really late flowering variety um another good one which has the cone shaped flowers is one called phantom 
which produces huge big flowers. I mean, there must be six or eight inches in length, a massive big cone flower. It's in the paniculata family, the hydrangea paniculata family. So it's one called phantom. So if you want a really stunning variety that would grow four to five feet in height, four to five feet in width, um, and give lots of colour from the middle of July right through to the middle of November, look for that variety phantom. Um, there's another variety called Inky Pinky, which is a pinky version <laughs> of that. So it's right. again the cone okay. flowers. They start white and then they turn to a lovely shade of pink and then to a kind of a, a purplish colour as we go into autumn. So that's quite a nice one. If you're looking for a dwarf variety, there's a very good variety called Hydrangea Bobo, which again is the cone-shaped flowers. It's uh-huh. pin- now, the paniculata hydrangeas are different to the mophead varieties in that you the pruning is a lot more simpler. You just cut them all back in springtime right to ground level like a rose bush, and they come back with new growth, and they flower on this year's growth, where the, whereas... The old traditional varieties, Mophead, flower on older woods, so the pruning is slightly different. But look at great varieties. So Phantom is a really good one, um, particularly if you like flowers for cutting. It's a great one to cut. And it, the flowers don't stay. They stay white. Now, they do change as the season, as the months, weeks go on, the colour intensifies and you get some pink tinges coming into the Phantom variety. Bobo is a dwarf one if you want one for a pot or container or for maybe a low bed. And Inky Pinky, the one I mentioned, is a lovely um, is a lovely pink variety. And there's another one called Vanilla Freeze, which Ooh. again has beautiful vanilla uh, and kind of a strawberry and red uh, pinky coloured flower as well. So there's several varieties of them. Your local garden centre will have them at this time of year. They're the cone-shaped hydrangeas or hydrangea paniculata varieties. Look for those. I'd highly recommend them. Super easy to grow. Okay. Great filling plant. If you want something to fill up an area, um, there's a stunning plant of it on the on the Westport Road out of Castlebar you leave the roundabout on the right hand side there's a garden there and I admire it every evening I'm going home and so it's a panic- paniculata it's one I'd say it's phantom it looks Good. like to me like phantom paniculata phantom and it's absolutely beautiful at the moment okay. covered in flowers we have to keep an eye out ok time is ticking on Borg, but we're going to talk a little bit about fruit trees and there was a great great question in uh, which leads us to some questions in general on apples and fruiting um, so first of all here's a, a real conundrum just discovered an apple tree growing at the end of our garden. Will the apples be safe to eat? The tree has been there for years, but I've never seen apples on it before. There you go. Isn't so, it, well, isn't it patience, well, Imagine the surprise yeah. that people had going down the bottom of the garden. and Oh, we've apples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, they're perfectly safe to eat. Uh, there's no such thing as a, as a bad apple, as it were. So, um, no, it depends what variety they yeah. are, of course. It could and be a, Bram- do with them. a Bramley seedling, which... which um, is a cooking variety or grenadier is a cooking variety but they're, they'll be perfectly safe to eat. Some varieties like Bramley seedling you harvest later you harvest them more towards um, October so um, I had mentioned the red varieties earlier on like Beauty of Bath and all those you mm. gather all of those now and generally speaking you'll know when an apple is ready for picking because if you clasp it in your hand and twist it it should come away with re- little resistance you know, so it's not that you're pulling the apples off the tree. Um, if there's a lot of resistance and the wasps aren't bothering them, leave them alone to ripen naturally. But I find that the red varieties in particular, or the coloured varieties, wasps seem to ga- take them. Um, but so going back to the listener's question, they're perfectly safe to eat. It's been a fantastic year for 
apples um, and really there's nothing once you harvest the fruit from them you could give it a dressing of potash mm. sulfur potash that helps to induce the plants to fruit next year again um, and really a little bit of pruning in, in, in the autumn we'll cover that later maybe in, in, in yeah, the next couple of weeks how yeah. to prune apple trees but look at go back and enjoy the apples maybe plant a few new varieties you know because the fact that this yeah, just, this one is setting it down to it sounds like it's on its own and maybe it has been pollinated by other trees, by neighbours' trees or whatever. But it has been a particularly good year for apples. But maybe add in a few new varieties as well. You could put in a family tree, which is a variety with two different varieties on the one tree. Mm-hmm. It takes up very little space. Look for the coronet family, which are dwarf, nice dwarf compact varieties. And there's about 13 different varieties within that, different types of apples within that. So it's a good time for planting apple trees as well because that'll help with the pollination of the tree that you have already. And the fact that it's settled down to fruiting now, that's a good omen for it to fruit, you know, every year from now on. Maybe not as heavy as this year, but, you know, it it has settled down, it has matured. But it may need a little assistance in the pollination. A little bit of assistance, a little bit of pollination because if you've got pollinators, naturally enough, you're going to get, you know, on its own, it'll have X fruit, but with pollinators, you'll have three X or four X yeah. or five X. So it, it's always great to have um, to have additional. Absolutely. Generally, three varieties is what I recommend. A minimum of three in the garden. So, so then, but then and you can mix them between between cooking apples and dessert apples, if you wish, or you can have all eating apples or all cooking apples, if you wish. But you need to mix the varieties. But again, your local garden centre will advise you. The main thing is that you pick varieties that flower at the same time. So when the bees arrive, they can hop from one tree to the other that... You know, yeah. one tree isn't flowering in, in March and the next one is flowering in April. And that, that can often happen with, with varieties of apples. Okay. Now, from uh, a surprise that we have fruit on the trees to somebody who's on the other end of the spectrum, they have a few apple and plum trees, but hardly any fruit this year. They're looking uh-huh. healthy and strong and just wondering, is there anything they can do to improve well, fruit yield? there's nothing you can do for this year. And then... And that would be the exception this year that because uh, you know I've, you know anyway yeah. in the gardens in I've general visited, oh yeah. yeah there's been buckets of apples um so uh is there anything you can do for this year no but what you can do is put on some sulfur potash on the trees what potash essentially does is it slows down the growth and it helps to induce fruiting plants into flowering so potash is, is the key element in fertilizer that induces flowering and fruiting and hardiness in plants as well it tends to make them stronger and more disease resistant so go to your local garden center get a small tub of sulfur of potash shake that around the base of the apple tree or the fruiting trees the plum tree as well at this time of year and that'll build it up for next year again we'll touch on the pruning maybe as we go into the end of September I'll tell you how to prune the apples now we've got somebody with the nectarines uh, yeah yeah, um, and they've produced a lot of fruit this summer about 30 fruits per plant in my tunnel how do I know if they're ripe and when to pick any tips please wowee I love nectarines nectarines Uh, yeah and they are actually very very easy to grow now they do need to be planted in a tunnel or glass house, particularly in the west of Ireland. Yeah. They have them in the botanic gardens grown out of doors on the walls of the fruit garden, but that's Dublin. Different climate Different completely. Climate. Yeah. Um, so grow them inside. Once you have a tunnel structure for them, they are super easy to grow. And generally you train them as walled plants, as train them out on the edges of the tunnel. Um, beautiful pink flowers in the springtime, which you need to hand pollinate. You need to go around and actually... <laughs> That's okay. the only that's, that's the bit, only that's piece bit, of work uh, right. that has bit. to be done with nectarines and peaches. So the nectarine is like a smooth peach; it's hairless, um, and and quite. Uh, and this is the time of year as we go into September, they're beginning to ripen. So how do you know? The, the, the color should be a, a nice reddish color, and if you push your thumb against the flesh, you you leave an indentation. 
Right. You should leave a small indentation. That's a sign that they're ripe. Now, they ripen very quickly. So you could check them today. Yeah. And by they, next weekend... They might be fully they, ripe. They yes. might even be overripe, yeah. would they be? Well, they could be. So again, you know, just once you, once you can see the flesh being a, a dint or a mark being mm. left in the flesh, that's the time to harvest. And they will ripen inside as well. So if you do pick some that are kind of semi-ripe, if you take them in, they will ripen inside on the fruit bowl as well. So uh, well, we're growing. Oh. Very, very easy to grow. It's it's in the um, the cherry family. Because the, the stone family. is inside. The stone is inside. One single stone inside. So you don't do any pruning at this time of year. But they're they're spectacular in flower. They've got lovely pink cherry-like flowers when they're in bloom. They're single flowers, so they're actually very attractive in the tunnel or in the greenhouse as a tree. Uh, and then they always bear the fruit. And they're they're actually very reliable fruiters, but this year has just been an exception. Okay. I've never seen a nectar well, plant in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and well done. And people think they're exotic and that they're difficult to grow. I would have had that thought now no, myself. Once you have a tunnel structure or a conservatory or a covered structure for them, uh, then they are super easy to grow. And as I say, the only job you have is to hand pollinate them in late February, March when they're in flower and take the fruit off them. Okay. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, so well we're growing. Um, uh, the wasps, I suppose, and I know, I suppose that's really going, going away from the horticultural these, side yeah. of uh, the questions, but wasps with apples and fruit in general, um, people finding it difficult to actually harvest the fruit because of uh, the prevalence of wasps this year. So I, I was wondering if wasps are less active at any particular point in the day. And well, evening time with, yeah. or very early morning, they're would not that as be, active. Would that be a little yeah. easier? They're like out. bees. They wait for the, the, the temperatures to, to rise before they take to the wing. And you don't, don't generally get them on a wet day we're promised some rain this afternoon so this so evening when, you when it's raining when it's raining okay, go out good, and good, harvest, yeah. harvest your apples um, but yeah look at they are going to be a problem if you leave your apples on the trees they're going to be waspinated <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but we're not we're, we're not we're not suggesting you have to go and suit up or anything like that to no, pick no, your no, few no, apples. No. Um, okay, uh, somebody with a problem with thuya conifers. So um, thuyas, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of brown patches. Okay. So I'm wondering, is it t- too late to spray with fungicide? No, it's not too late. So this these are thuyas. These are generally the cone shaped thuyas of a lovely formal shape, evergreen. But they have in the last number of years suffered from thuya blight, which is a browning of of the branches of the scales on the the plant. So it's a fungus disease, a bit like blight and potatoes. So you can spray for it. The the product to use is a treatment called Fungus Clear. So it's a liquid. You mix it up in your spray machine, you spray it onto the actual tree top to toe and that helps to uh, stop the problem and and prevent it from coming back as well. So you can still apply that because it's damp weather that thuya blight is spread by and we've had quite a wet August, so you you know you're going to see some of it knocking around. So yeah, simply mix up a make sure this the, the um, spray machine is clean. Don't be using a spray machine that you use for weed killer, obviously, because right. you know sometimes people forget that. Yeah. And then so put the fungus clear on, and that'll help too. So two years, and even if people have two years in the garden, it's a good idea to give them a treatment anyway to help prevent two year blight. Uh, and staying just with the conifers for a second, somebody wondering about the best time of year to shape conifers. Well, if you want to do some pruning on conifers, the ideal time is April, March, April, okay. before they come into growth. And um, if you cut them now, they're going to you're leaving them exposed for the winter. So I'll leave them well enough alone until the springtime. Cut them in April and shape them. Remember, do not to go too severe on them. You can't cut into old wood on conifer so light trimming back in April is there's no problem at all okay 
a lawn question. I've sprayed off soil to sow a new lawn. Weeds are now brown and dead. What do I need to do next and what seeds to use? So this is a household with small, busy kids, we're told. Okay, yeah. so you want a good, hard yeah. lawn seed. Um, probably the best one to be to use is one called Green Velvet, which is a number two uh, lawn seed. Lawn seed is a mixture of different grasses so you tend to get four to five different grasses within any one mix and green velvet is a number two mix. It's got predominantly creeping and dwarf grasses but they're very strong so the kids can play a bit of football on it the dog can run across it, all that good stuff um, but you'll find with green velvet that even if you're away on holidays for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and you come back, it doesn't get too tall so they're predominantly creeping and dwarf grass species that are in that mix again this is the time of year the listener has sprayed off the area is that right yes yeah, the, so, and, and the weeds and everything so are brown yeah, okay yeah, so yeah, the so. next stage is really to till the soil give us a tilling take out any stone or debris put in then a preceding lawn fertilizer something like park and fairway rake that in put on your lawn seed rake it in and sit back and then it'll be up in three four weeks you'll see it germinating during october now, uh, I, what can I put on caterpillars, on turnips? They're eating all the leaves. Also, also, I recently extended my lawn, but the new part looks different. Anything can I, that I can do? Okay, well... <laughs> Sorry, two the, very different questions. Yeah, so, so to deal with the caterpillars, <laughs> yeah. we had actually a caterpillar um, question. Tommy Tommy had one okay. for me on Tuesday, yeah. similar similar to this Brussels sprouts, I think it was. Right. And somebody rang in to say that their youngster actually picks the caterpillars, puts them into a jar with a couple of cauliflower leaves or, or cabbage leaves yeah. and lets them pupate right. lets them pupate and, okay. and you know watches how they the cycle, cycle of the caterpillar turning into to a they don't they, they pupate I think before they go to, to a butterfly stage um, so I thought that was interesting but <laughs> <laughs> that's I not obviously say, I hope we're not going to suggest that we all go out and no, no. start picking the caterpillars off that's the, not off what the, yeah, okay. the, the listener is looking for so the treatment to use is a treatment called PY spray okay. it's safe to use on vegetables if you use it on cauliflower cabbage or any of the brassicas or turnips you can eat the plant the following day so that will eradicate caterpillars whilst it's been a great year for fruit and, and plants in general it's been a great year for bugs as well because they have enjoyed the uh, the good weather so it's been a real green flying caterpillars are are there, plenty the, right. this year so I'm not surprised we're getting some questions on it um, so if you want to just knock them down kill them off you can use PY spray it's ideal for all vegetable plants simply mix it up in your sprayer machine apply it on a dry day it'll kill them within a couple of hours and the vegetables are perfectly safe to eat from the following day on but I do like the fact that so somebody is, is taking a look at, at the life cycle of the of the of the caterpillar yeah. of course yes it is very interesting because they go into their into their cocoon what's chrysalis yeah. Chrysalis, that's that it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Going back to school there. There you go. Um, sorry, moving on. Uh, can you ask, Porik, is there any feed for pampas grass? Well, yeah, you can use um, Osmo Pro 6 to give them a feed. Now, I wouldn't go feed them at this time of year. Pampas grass and plants in general begin to slow down. The sulfur of potash was fine on the fruit trees because mm. it's not going to encourage any new growth. It really just stimulates flowering. With pampas grass, look at, really leave it alone at this time of year. Next spring, next March and April, Put a couple of handfuls of um, Osmo Pro 6 around the base with and uh, repeat that maybe a month later or six weeks later. So feed the pampas grass in spring and early summer of next year. Just enjoy it for the winter. It'll The, the, the beautiful flowers will stay on it right up to Christmas. OK, we're going to finish on this one, Porik. Um, I want a climber to cover an old uh, country estate-style house. OK. 
large bare walls to cover. Uh, something with the leaf colour, not flowers. I was thinking ivy, but it's very slow to grow. Which of any other suggestions? Yeah, ivy can be slow. I mean, it is evergreen and it's have clings, which is great. But there are some more vigor- vigorous varieties of mm. ivy, like Paddy's Pride or um, Colchica variegata, which are bigger leafed and more vigorous varieties. But having said that, they still are relatively slow growing. If you want something really fast, yeah. there's a plant called Cissus striata, which is the evergreen Virginia creeper. Um, it holds its leaf during 12 months of the year but in the winter it goes a plummy red colour and that plant can put on 6 to 8 feet of growth per year so it's quite vigorous and and, um, quite fast growing you can use Boston Ivy there's a lovely variety called Green Spring which has got leaves as big as your hand so a really large leaf leaf variety Mm -hmm. um, self clings so it suckers onto the wall itself again it'll put on about 4 to 5 feet of growth per year green in summer as the name suggests green spring but then at this time of year it starts to change lovely beautiful colours the other plant you can use is vitus cognitiae which is in the uh, vine family related to grapes Okay, and that again has beautiful stunning autumn colour and lovely on an old estate house leaves the size of a dinner plate huge big leaves and again very very vigorous so pop into your local garden centre look for some of those this is triata Boston Ivy or Green Spring or Vitus Conicia. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm afraid time is against us. We'll do it all again. We'll do it all again next Saturday. Until then, have yourselves a really good weekend. Thanks to Porrick. Do stand by. Coming up next here on Midwest Radio, it's Michael Neary with the very best in country music right through until one o'clock. Local news on the way as well from me, Deirdre Kelly, for the moment. Good morning, too. Yep.